So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. H. How are you today? Um, I'm okay. I had parent-teacher conferences today, and I had no parents come in for conferences, so I pretty much just sat in a room and twiddled my thumbs all day. So, oh gosh, well, that was extremely boring for sure. The opposite of that is I had a parent who wants to meet with me tomorrow. So. Oh, is it a parent you would like to meet with? Because that generally is the opposite. You generally get the parents that come in to meet are the ones you're like, do not need to talk to you. Uh, no, I had to email them about an incident that happened. Uh, And then they were like, oh, by the way, we probably should talk to you because their grade isn't so great. So I'm just like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Okay. So uh, we have a new season, season premiere. um, And we only have one repeat couple. And when I meet repeat, I mean repeat. Repeat. Like we have seen this couple a couple times. Four? I think it's a fourth time. This might be the third time, I want to say. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get them out of the way. Okay. Um, their segment was pretty long. Uh, we start off with Jasmine uh, in Panama. She's wearing a veil and getting on a party bus for her bachelorette. They have a giant inflatable penis with a hat that is supposed to kind of represent Gino. It kind of looked like Gino. Gino yeah, does kind of look God. like a penis. Oh, God. <laughs> So Jasmine says that she met Gino online and she was into his unconventional looks, including his gut, his flamingo legs, his sharky nose and non-existent lips, which I'm just like, OK, kind of makes more sense why she's into him. But also, ah, yeah, okay, anyway. um, just a, a litany of things. Well, I mean, right. She's right. She's like and she said it because. That means I don't have to be jealous because nobody yeah. else is going to be into this guy. <laughs> right. So she likes those things because she's incredibly jealous and being unattractive makes her feel a little bit more secure in her relationship. Meanwhile, back at home, Gino is leaving work for a while from the automotive engineering, which he has been doing for 33 years. So that way he can focus on his relationship with Jasmine because he wants to help support her transition to the U.S. Uh, he is worried uh, that if she's unhappy that she'll leave. Gino is asked what he fights about with Jasmine, and his laundry list includes exes, finances, the food he eats, family, unnecessary cosmetic procedures, and all the soda Gino drinks. Gino thinks that they have a really strong bond, which is what brings them back together. Jasmine, back in Panama, is stripped down to her thong, pressing her cheeks against the window as they get to the club. Jasmine reveals that her cheeks aren't real because she was dieting and exercising and she lost her butt. So she got a Brazilian butt lift and hasn't told Gino. She used the money that was budgeted for her wedding dress for the procedure and she hasn't quite told him yet. Jasmine wishes that Gino would appreciate all the effort she puts into her beauty regiments for him instead of getting mad about how much everything, how much everything costs. Back in Michigan, Gino is in full work attire on a treadmill, testing it out to potentially buy it. 
he admits to the person, I don't know who's trying to sell it, that he's not in shape. Gino tells us that he's been supporting Jasmine financially since she lost her job. Gino says that he can't buy the treadmill now because he needs to be more mindful of money, which makes this whole scene absolutely pointless. Yeah, yes. Oh, my God. I was so frustrated yeah. with that. <laughs> right. So Gino is waiting until Jasmine gets to the U.S. to tell her that he quit his job and that money is going to be tight. Jasmine is getting packed up to move when her mom, sister, and son drop by. Jasmine talks about her two sons, which we've never met before, and she refers to herself as a cool mom that lets uh, them eat junk food that their dads won't uh, let mm. him eat. Gino has met her sons, and they get along well. Her mom asks if her butt implants will make her feel more secure with Gino. She then tells us about her future sister-in-law, Lori, who sent her a message telling her not to have the wedding on specific dates because she was going to be on vacation in Florida. Jasmine thought the message was pretty rude. It made her it makes her feel unwanted and unloved by his family. Jasmine then tells her mom that she's going to break the news to her oldest son, Wanse, about her move. The plan is to ultimately bring her kids to the U.S., and her ex-husband is okay with that. Wanse really wants to move to the U.S. Wanse likes spending time with his mom, so he'll miss her a lot. Uh, he's mostly okay with the move as Jasmine cries. Later, Jasmine is taking her dog Coco to the dog salon because Jasmine wants him to be the cutest dog at the airport because she's bringing him to the U.S. Gino then asks if Coco is potty trained. Jasmine says that he pees on the floor, not on purpose, but he suffers from anxiety. Jasmine says that she can't pretend she's super happy and tells Gino about Lori's message. Gino defends Lori, saying that it was a quick message based on a conversation he was having with her, and he doesn't like that Jasmine treats his family like they are enemies. Jasmine notices that there's a pattern here, and he thinks uh, she thinks that Gino always takes their side. Gino says that it was just a simple request, and he agrees with Lori. Jasmine says why should she have compassion with people who are vacationing in Florida when she is uprooting her life to be in the U.S.? Gino says that he will do anything in his power to get his brother and sister-in-law at the wedding, and that's just the way it is. Jasmine calls him a jerk. Gino says he's done talking about wedding stuff. Jasmine is just upset and tells him to say hi to his lovely family sarcastically, and Gino says, yes, they are lovely. Jasmine is really upset. She says that she has no one in the U.S., and Gino even wanted her to leave Coco behind. All right, so we got to see the text message. So we got to see what Lori said. And it basically said, don't have the wedding on these dates because we'll be vacationing in Florida. And I mean, the middle part was, you know, but it started off with don't have the wedding on these dates. Do you think that's rude or do you agree with Gino? Like, you know, Jasmine needs to just it's chill out. The, 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 I, I think I, I feel like the biggest part of the, the biggest issue here is that Gino's family lacks tact. Yeah. And that because the concept is not because it sounds to me what happened is that Gino's sister-in-law, they were t- he was talking to his sis- brother and sister-in-law yeah. and they mentioned they were going on vacation. He's like, oh, when you're going to Florida and he, they were, he was, she was like these days. He's like, oh, that's like within our 90 days though. So you should like check with Jasmine. Let her know when you're going to be out of town so we know not to get married on those dates. Yeah. Right. So we know not to make the wedding those dates uh, so you can be there. And like – and then she was he's like, OK, no problem. And And instead of being like – Hey, just want to let you know we're going to be out right. of town these dates. So 
you know, if you could pick a, a different date, we would lo- we'd love to come to the wedding, but we won't. We don't know if we would make it. If you do, if she said it like that, it would have been so bad. Said so she was like, listen, and then she just said, don't. It started with don't. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Started but with don't. when you started with don't, you started with you know a a negative, and Jasmine just took it as listen, bitch. These are the dates you're not allowed to get married. Right. <laughs> right? Oh, I thought the message was incredibly rude. And I am absolutely team Jasmine on this. Uh, you know, like, Jasmine's right. She could have started off with like a, hey, Jasmine, how are you? So excited to see you in the U.S. So glad everything is working out for you. <laughs> Instead, she jumps into like, here are things you cannot do. Right? And so I, do I think that Lori did it to be intentionally rude? No, I, I agree with you. Like, I do think Gino has a point with you do need to give him a benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, like, someone needs to, like, say to Lori, like, hey, like, let's, you know, call her out for being rude because it is and it was offensive. And I think, like, that's – I agree with Jasmine that Gino is so quick to defend his family in the way where it's like dismissive of your feelings, right? Dismissive of Jasmine's feelings Mm -hmm. because he's just like, that's not what they meant. You just need to deal with it. But I think that, you know, yeah, Gino should kind of point out to his family, like Jasmine took it this way. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, an apology of, you know, you didn't mean that or at least maybe not even apology, but reassurance that you didn't mean it like in a rude way would really help with the relationship here. Right. Here's here's the thing is that I think this is and I think a lot of this is a cultural difference. Right. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, this – Gino's from the Midwest and people generally think of the Midwesterners as, you know, very polite, overly polite. Mm-hmm. Like it's similar to the um, you know, stereotypes you have with uh, Canadian people, right? Just super, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so sorry, 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 right? Um, but there's a different strain of Midwesterner and this is kind of like my – part of my family that comes from Midwest, I'm familiar with this, um, that is just like they – a little East Coasty feel like – Oh, not getting straight to the point is rude. Like, <laughs> like if I'm, why, why am I gonna, why am I, if, if I'm gonna hear, oh, let me get this bullshit about like, hi, Jasmine, how are you doing? So excited. That's not, I, I, I'm texting you to figure a thing out, to do a thing. So I'm gonna tell you exactly what's going on, especially if it's something that might be unpleasant. That's just gonna come right out. Like there was an old story in my family about, you know, somebody, somebody who was watching somebody's dog and the dog passed away while they were on vacation and they did, they came back as pre cell phones and they got out of the car out of their vacation and they're like, Hey, good to see you. And they're like, your dog died. <laughs> Just first thing out of your mouth. Boom. Like, right. And that's the kind that, that is a strain of Midwesterner, right? That I think Gino's family just tends to be like, it would never be like, why would I, I would never, and sometimes I'm, you know, I'm a little bit guilty of this myself and I have to like really stop and think before I speak and I stop and think before I text people to be like, ooh, because I get, I, I, when I, especially at my school, man, I got yelled at a lot. Like, because I just come in and be like, oh, I need, uh, the copy machine's not working. And be like, good morning to you too. And I'm like, but <laughs> the copy machine's not working. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, yeah, right. I think it, but I think it, involves more communication and involves for Gino more facilitation and more right and, and Gino needs to do a lot more of I hear where you're coming from mm. right I don't think she meant it like that I'll have a talk with her 
so that yeah. something like this doesn't happen again. And then actually do follow up and say that and say like, hey, you know, this is a different culture. If you just come out with like telling her what not to do, that comes across as extremely rude. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, just be careful when you're when you just be careful with your wording when you're trying to ask things. I know you don't think it's a big deal, but it is to her, you know, like that kind of yeah. facilitation needs to happen and not just. Yes. Anytime you're in an argument with someone and your final thing is that's the way it's going to be. End of discussion. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do think he needs to do more to facilitate because right now it's basically I agree with Jasmine. It's just blindly defending his family like, you know, oh, they didn't mean it that way. You know, you're taking it too personally and like putting it on her, like almost like blaming her for feeling the way that she feels about it. Right. And part of that is because he's been around these people for 50 years. Yeah. Right. And so he does know what that person in that context meant by that. He and it's always the, it's always the same thing through text. Right. It's impossible to get tone. And so the better you know someone, the more you can kind of guess what their tone would be. And she doesn't have that 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 uh facilitation now mm. to be on the other side she probably shouldn't be spending the wedding dress money on a bbl oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> i'm not mad about that either as long as she doesn't expect more money for the wedding dress eh, i feel like she still might <laughs> like well that's what i'm saying if she doesn't expect any more from for the wedding dress i don't think it really matters i i i, I I, I do. I think it might. I, I kind of do. Like, I, I, if it's his money that he's putting forward to purchase something, you'd be like, yeah, I, I sold that and got something else. It's like, I don't know. Because he didn't see it as a gift. If it's mm -hmm. a gift, then you can do whatever you want with a gift, right? But he's yeah. like, but if he's like, ooh. Because the, the other thing that kind of goes with this is what kind of bothers me about Jasmine is she very much is treating it like this is my wedding and I'm mm -hmm. allowing you to be there. So if I, maybe he maybe he wants his bride to be in a nice dress, right? And he paid good money to have his bride in a nice dress, and instead she got a surgery that he's not happy with, like yeah. you know, like and and so you know I I and so he feels that's part of his, if he feels that's part of his wedding too. The date is part of his wedding too, right? Then being well, like, that was the other thing I didn't understand is like why is Jasmine the sole person who's deciding the wedding date? I don't think she is. Like if he, she had a, if Lori had a conversation with Gino about the wedding date, why does he even have to go to Jasmine? Gino could just have been, okay, well, I'll just make sure we don't plan it those days. End of story. End of conversation. Why do we even have to? Right. Why is it go? Why, right. Because I feel like Jasmine is like all the wedding planning goes through me. I am the planner of my wedding. Like, and that's what part of it is like, she never at any point when she's talking about the wedding says our wedding. It is my wedding and my dress and my decision for everything. And that is not great. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, not as not great as, because we mentioned it when it came up. The fuck do you go to somebody's house and run on their treadmill in jeans and a button down and then say, I don't have enough money for a treadmill right now. What the hell was that? I don't know. That was the dumbest scene. <laughs> it was like, oh, all that just to get that you're broke? Okay, 
Great. You could have <laughs> just told us knew that. You, were broke. you knew the price of a treadmill when you went. It just it's it's just hilarious because Gino doesn't have any friends and they need him to talk to somebody in the show. And so they come up with these convoluted things, oh these gosh. convoluted reasons to get him to be like, well, my fiance is coming in from. It's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. All right. So speaking of. Um, oh, my goodness. Let's see ridiculousness that I want to talk about. All right, let's talk about Ashley. So we begin in Rochester, and Ashley, who is 32, is having a panic attack in her car and calling someone, we don't know who yet, to get her through it, but she just keeps getting worse, and then she realizes the camera's on her, and she just keeps saying, oh, my God, I'm ugly crying. (laughs) So then we get a card, and we flash back to 24 hours earlier where she's much calmer with like a Buddha in front of her and she's playing her singing bowls. So she tells us that in an interview that, you know, she is, yes, she is a black woman named Ashley, which makes her a unicorn. There's not, which I thought was funny because I look, there are three black teachers in my school right now named Ashley. And so I'm like, what is she talking about? Like, like there are a lot of black Ashleys. What is this? this?" So anyway, she also says that she is a witch as in she does tarot, astrology, and what she says, shadow work. So of course, this immediately leads to us showing us her doing a reading. So she says she got into the occult after a childhood of being a rebel, but now her spirituality uh, drives every part of her life. So back in undergrad, she said she had a vision that caused her to seek out an opportunity to go to Ecuador, where she met Manuel, who is now 35. And I think she said they were in Quito at the time. So anyway, on New Year's Eve. So she fell in love with his, as she describes it, peanut butter mixed with cinnamon skin and his dark hair. So after about a week, they were engaged. And remember, this is way back in undergrad. So like, you know, early, very early 20s. Um, so she she said she got out of a long um but but they got engaged, but that first attempt at a long-distance relationship didn't last. So they were broken up for more seven years or so, and she got out of a – and it was after she got out of a long-distance relationship that it seems like Manuel pretty much just like presented himself as a, hey, are you looking for a rebound guy? Because <laughs> I'm right here. So she rebounded right into him. It was during COVID. Um, she went down there, and he proposed again while they were in quarantine together. So initially, he didn't want to come to America, but they decided that construction opportunities uh, were going to be better for him than which opportunities were going to be better for her in Ecuador. So now he's on his way on a K-1. So she thinks that religion is going to be an issue because he's very Catholic from a very Catholic uh, society. So she's nervous about him on this trip because he's never been on a plane before. He doesn't speak any English. And... It's like a three, four-leg trip. He's got to make a lot of transfers. So next up, we see Ashley hitting the bar with some friends. So she's scared about all the things that are about to happen when Manuel comes. And she's trying to stay chill. She's trying to knock back a few drinks and chill out. So her, her friend says, tell her, she says, that her friends never really took this relationship seriously and thought the whole thing was kind of just a flight of fancy. So something that's pretty suspicious about the whole thing that we learn here is that Manuel hasn't told his mother about this, like at all. Like he's already on the plane at this point. And so she thinks he's, uh, he's in uh, Guayaquil now and he just told her, Oh, I'm going on a construction job. So I'm going to be there for a few months. Um, and that's 
what she knows, as far as she knows, he's not leaving the country, <laughs> let oh alone uh, this whole relationship and getting married and everything. Um, so this, of course, makes Ashley a little bit suspicious that maybe he's lying to her too. So they ask if, Man- if Manuel really knows, and they say this, the full extent of her witchiness. And she's God. like, eh, yes and no. She doesn't hide it, but also he's long distance and it like, it's not like he's seen all the stuff. <laughs> um, so anyway, she worries he might feel differently about once he sees her practice in action. So she's also worried that once he gets here, it's going to be awful and she's going to want to back out of it because that's kind of a pattern for her. So she says she's prepared to bounce if things don't go as she sees fit. So later on, we see her playing with her dog, Rico Suave, and Ashley is starting to freak out because she left a message for Manuel and it went unanswered and he's supposed to be in the plane in Miami, but she's like, maybe he didn't make it through customs or what's going on. She's not even sure. He, she, maybe he missed his connecting flight. So her sister, um, Sienna, comes in and they talk things over and Ashley is worried that just this – this worry she's having right now is just a bad omen for everything. She says the worst case scenario is that he, you know, gets turned away at customs. He has to go back to, to Ecuador and then the visa expires because it expires tomorrow. Uh, but then her, I don't know, she has like, maybe he'll go to customs and they'll be like, why did you wait so long on this visa? Why do you have a long distance girlfriend? This is weird. Go back. Which is like weird, like. The visa's not expired. They're not going to turn you away for right. it being almost expired. That's like – anyway. Um, so now she's going to the airport as if everything is going to plan. That's what she's going to do now. But that brings us full circle to the ugly crying panic attack, which is where we leave off. Um, so, ooh, geez. What do we think about this whole situation? I feel like there's a couple of couple of red flags. What do you think oh, the yeah. reddest of red flags is? The reddest of red flags is their difference in uh I guess spiritual values, religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like that is a huge one. I think that it's going to prevent her from being oh. truly accepted by his family. Sure. Um I think it's I don't know. It's like how could you avoid like fundamentally seeing differently than your partner? You just avoid all conversations having to do with, like, existential things? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know if he is, like, he's Catholic, but I wonder how Catholic he is. Like, is it Mm -hmm. one of those things you come from a society that's like, everybody's Catholic? And so you're like, well, yeah, I'm Catholic, but like, whatever, I don't care that much. Like, or is he very devout and actually uh, very, you know, how, how important is his faith to him? Like his actual faith, not the cultural value of of being Catholic, you know? Right. Um, I would venture a guess based on some of the other, uh, you know, Catholic adjacent people we've seen on the show <laughs> is that they're not practicing. Right. So they're right. not like in the church and they're not like our Nico, you know, where, you know, everything is like being well, drawn Jesus back said, to Yeah, religion. Jesus said, I, I got on the I got. I got on the uh, the emergency exit row in the plane because as the Bible tells us, Jesus right. has to, yes, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not like that and not even like church going, but if you challenge like the existence of God or you challenge, you know, like some fundamental religious belief, like all of a sudden it's like they get very defensive about it. And I kind of think about Luis of Molly and Luis. Mm-hmm. Luis was not very Catholic. 
I would not say, right? Until it would like until you challenged his religion, then all of a sudden it was just like, wait, you're Catholic? <laughs> all of a sudden defending like Catholicism. And, you know, then he was like, it came out in very bizarre ways, like his whole thing about uh Molly having owls. And he mm. said it's very like, you know, witch like. And uh did not like that, you know? And so I kind of wonder a little bit if he's going to get creeped out by her witchy-like things. Right. And that doesn't – and that might not even go into his actual religion as much as it goes right. into the cultural superstitions that they have, right? Sure. And sure. and she pretty much flies in the face of all of the cultural superstitions that they have. Right. It's like you're intentionally being evil here? Like what yeah. are you doing? Um, yeah. And that's big. I mean to me the one that stuck out was the lying to his mom. Like about yeah. where he's even going, like uh, that's oh, one yeah. of those. That's one of those. What's your end game? Like, what's your end game for this lie? Like, I, I don't well, understand. How yeah, this is that's a work. huge red flag. But to me, that's like more having to do with him and his family, right? It's not necessarily the demise of their relationship. Yeah, I'm. Mean, uh, I don't know. I think I feel like we've seen that be like the the fork that separates, right? But also, mm-hmm. I I'm, I agree with her. It's like if you're this willing to lie to your mom. Like, how do I know mm. you're not lying to me? Like, I know, right. what, the one thing I know about you is you'll lie because you just are lazy, uncomfortable. Why are you even lying? I don't know what it is about, about me that you're lying about, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, we had our second couple here, uh, or I guess our next new couple, mm-hmm. who kind of, we had talked about at the very beginning how there were a lot of couples that were kind of coming back to each other. So we had mm-hmm. Ashley, and then now we have uh, Nicole. So we meet Nicole, 47, from Hoboken, New Jersey. She's a recording artist called Nikki Exotica. She says Nikki is a bit of a diva, but Nicole is more of a homebody. Nicole also is a hairstylist and a makeup artist. She's had a lot of plastic surgery. Everything you can think of, as she puts it. Nicole says that she doesn't care about the haters, and she loves herself now. Nikki's fiancé is Justin, a personal trainer from Moldova. Uh, 17 years ago, Nicole met a Russian guy in New York, and she said that this was the love of her life, and they were supposed to get married. He was a bad boy and eventually got arrested in the U.S. and was deported. So Nicole flew to Moldova, where he got deported to, to surprise him. But she found out that this man lived in Moldova with his girlfriend. So she took to a dating website while she was there, where she met Justin. His name is actually Igor, but hmm. she renamed him Justin because, you know, she thinks that uh, he looks like Justin Timberlake. And she didn't like that his name, Igor, reminded her of Frankenstein's assistant. So Nicole felt respected because Justin didn't try to sleep with her on the first date. After the fourth visit, Justin proposed to her. They had applied for the fiancé visa and he came over. And after two weeks, things didn't work out. So he moved back to Moldova. Nicole says that he was lazy, so he didn't cook or clean. But then Nicole tells us the real reason that things fell apart, and it was because she told him that she was transgender, and he freaked out because he felt like he was lied to. Nicole says that she was uh, in stealth mode, um, you know, being trans, and now 15 years later, they're back together. A couple of years ago, Nicole floated the idea of them giving each other another chance. They took a trip to Mexico together where he proposed the second time. Nicole says that they have issues to work on. Nicole is going to Moldova first, and Justin is worried because trans and homosexuals are not accepted there. 
Nicole says that because of her age, you know, 47, this is her last chance at love. Nicole video calls Justin sans makeup, which he appreciates because he likes her more natural look. Justin doesn't want her to attract attention while she's there. Justin tells her that his mom is supportive and doesn't care that Nicole is trans. He warns her not to break his penis. He claims that they will be making a lot of love, but Nicole is worried about their sex life because the last time they spent, you know, two weeks together, they really only had sex four times when, she says, compared to before, they used to have sex all the time. Nicole is worried that Justin is hung up on the fact that Nicole is trans. All right. So uh, this is interesting. Why do you think that, you know, 17 years that this particular couple would get back together again? I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I was just I was just left very confused by both people's motivations in mm-hmm. this entire thing. Like mm-hmm. it just it's very, very confusing. Um I, I I don't know why so many years later, like like he he's had a change. He and that's what I'm saying. He's had a weird. It's just like 17 years later, and he's marginally less transphobic. <laughs> and that's yeah. like the t- that's okay. Now we're ready to go, right? Like he still doesn't want to get. He still doesn't want to be seen with someone who is you know noticed as being trans, right? Well, that could be just of a safety perspective, right? Like, you know, there could be hate crimes against sure. Nicole specifically, you mm-hmm. know, and Justin having to defend her and not wanting to be put into that kind of situation, you know? Like, I could see that. Just yeah. not, you know, not wanting to attract attention to themselves, which is why he said that he likes her more natural look. But to be honest, her I don't even know. Her more natural look is not very natural. Well, I was going to say, like, to me... And maybe this is a product of just people being, like, the product of plastic surgery. Like, when people have that much plastic surgery, to me, it almost kind of looks borderline, like, drag queen. It sure does. Absolutely. You know, very, Mm -hmm. like, exaggerated. And to me, like, I think it kind of looks... The same, you know, if she was born a woman versus born a man, if you're going to get that much, if you plastic, have that much surgery, plastic surgery, then it, it doesn't looks matter. The same. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which and I've met some people from like Eastern Europe and they love their plastic surgery. So I feel like sure. she would blend in. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, because it, it, to me, it's tricky with that, because with the way she looks, with the amount of plastic surgery she's had, and she says the perception is 80 percent positive, which. Mm hmm feel like a lot of people who might have negative reactions just keep their mouth shut. Um, right. But you don't get that much plastic surgery to that ex- that extreme amount that, that she has had and it and it doesn't draw attention, right? And so yeah. I feel like a lot of times, oh, they're looking at me because I'm trans. And it's like, no, I think they're looking at you because you've had a tremendous amount of tra- <laughs> plastic right. surgery and it looks unusual. That is a look that is engineered to d- draw attention. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you haven't seen her, she's got a very, like, skinny, long nose. Like, long as an elongated turf face, you know? Yes, but up not and down. Like, right. Yeah. Up and down. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's just like, no one has a nose like that. No, you no, know? no, And then she's no. got the big lip injections. And it's like, no one has lips like that. Yeah, and then it looks like she's got injections. her. Sh- mm-hmm. Yes. And then it looks like her cheeks got sculpted, too. It's like, nobody has cheeks like that. So, 
Yeah, it's like when you, you're attracting attention, it's like, well, first of all, she would have to completely have facial reconstruction surgery for to not attract attention. Right. And then she's attracting attention because of plastic surgery, not because she's trans. Right, right. And then in addition to that, I'm sure she's had all kinds of butt implants and breast oh, implants. Yeah. Like, there's there's sure. a ton. Every, everything. Uh, and, I mean, and she, she even said she everything. She admits nothing's, nothing's yeah. real, right? Nothing is yeah. real. Um, but, you know, but, but that was – True, before Justin knew she was trans too, right? Like, yeah, and that—that's the thing. It's not like you're, you're any more or less any. She was any more or less fake about that. So it, it's it it would it's tough to me to go back to somebody who so fully rejected you once they found out you were trans. Mm-hmm. Like that person, I, I would. That seems like it would be a really tough person to be like, okay, right? Sounds good. Like. Like, let's do this again, uh, right? Um, yeah. Well, she's the one who floated the idea. She was the instigator. Right. But, I mean, the whole way they even got together in the first place was sus. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. Like, my Russian boyfriend got deported and then, like, I got to hook up with somebody because he was with somebody. It was just... It's... Everything is just like, who? who is this person? This is... This is... And, and especially because she still has the lingering doubts that he's grossed out by... Her, yeah. her her status as a trans as a trans woman, right? Because um, she even brought up like how many times they had sex last time they were there, and it was like didn't seem like a normal amount. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, well, also this isn't seventeen years ago. You're comparing like your sex life now from like seventeen years ago, you know. And he's younger than her. Yeah. Uh, so he said he he said he's thirty six. Um, yes. So he says she says well we only had you know sex four times, and he's like pretty good for a thirty six year old. Right. Compared to him at 19, you know, like 19 year old boys, I can imagine probably want a lot more sex than, you know, in general, they sure do. Sure. Yeah. Um, But it also super bothered me as according to, you know, looking for people's acceptances that she just decided I can't call you by your name. Oh, you're not Igor. You're Justin now. What the hell is that? Well, yeah. Like of all the people, I guess it depends. (laughs) But like, I don't know, it, it it just seems that just seems really weird for a, a trans person who's been fighting their entire life to be accepted for who 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 they see themselves mm-hmm. as to just decide somebody else's name is not what I what, what they say it is. That's well, that's I was going to say the only thing that kind of makes it OK was that he seemed to like the name better, too. Yeah, at least that's what she said. Yeah, we'll I don't see know. if because yeah. <laughs> we have yet to really talk to him. Right. right. So sure. If in his first interview he is introducing himself as Igor, then we know he is really not okay with Justin. <laughs> yeah, but there's, I mean, it's definitely, you know, that they always have people on here that are like, they don't actually go by that. Like, <laughs> we just decided. But you know what? For at least she did give us, and it's the first time in a long time we did, I got to, you know, take a drink because it was her last chance at love. Oh, gosh, I know, right? My goodness. <laughs> I was like, ah, last chance at love. There it is. No, If you're talking to me, if like Debbie was saying it's her last chance at love, it's like, eh, maybe. Because you're getting to the age where, you know, there's a lot of single people and, you know, a lot of widowers. You yeah, know? I was saying, if Debbie, Debbie's right getting in that range where there's going to be more more people opening up for her. Like right, so maybe it's not her last chance at love. But I mean, like, <laughs> I would believe it more from a Debbie than from, like, a Nicole who's got, like, 20 years difference here. Yeah, yeah, she has plenty of time to get more love. 
Right. <laughs> All right. So now last last we have people who have lots more time to get lots of love, and that's Sophie and Rob. Oh, gosh. They're so young. Yeah. Well, she is. Um, yeah. So anyway, we, we begin in London where Sophie, like we said, young, she's 23, is in a boutique trying on fur coats. So she says for a job, she models and does content creating. So we are gonna fall in love with this girl right away. She's an she's an influencer. It doesn't tie her down, and it gets her free clothes. So that's something. So she's really selling herself hard as a party girl, which means she's twenty three and hot. So okay, (laughs) right? (laughs) So telling us she started clubbing at twelve, and then showing us a montage of lots of drinking and vaping in clubs. So she tells us that she came from a wealthy family, but apparently that made her pretty incurious because she doesn't know why they're wealthy. She's like, I don't know. My grandpa was rich. He got it somehow, I guess. I don't even know what the company does. Um, But it did put her through expensive private schools and put her on a lot of world travel. So things weren't all, all that easy for her, though, because she is mixed race and says she was bullied for being mixed race, especially when she grew up in Spain and she was the only mixed race kid around. So it's these kind of tough experiences that led her to where she is today, including leading her to the love of her life, Rob. So she met him because, well, there was an Instagram group or something. He was hot and he was on Instagram. That's how they met. So we then we zoom in uh, and then we go quickly to the gym where uh, in L.A. where Rob is working out. Rob is 32. Um, so – he says – he just straight up says, I'm a good-looking guy and I'll, I'll admit it. I, I care about looks. I, wanna, I, I deserve a hot woman. And Sophie's the hottest woman he's ever dated. So he says that he gets a lot of hits on social media from people. But you know, most of the time, it's whatever. They don't draw his attention. But her booty pics really piqued his interest. <laughs> so they got to talking on DMs and she doesn't want to say he was smooth. But yeah, he did make the right moves to get her. So he said she says he FaceTimed her very early on. Like it was like one message and it was like FaceTime. Um, and then I think it seems like he did that literally be like, just to make sure you're not a catfish. Like I'm gonna get this like, like big booty pictures, DMing me, we're gonna FaceTime real quick. Oh, it is you. Okay, good. Um But that initial FaceTime lasted for like eight hours. So things got off on the right foot. So about six months after that, she stayed with him for two months in LA and you know, even his tiny little peanut head didn't drive her off. So at the end of the two months, she she kind of planted the seed of getting the K-1. Hey, maybe I can come back if I get a K-1, which was more or less kind of her proposing. And I, I guess they're engaged after that. So he's nervous that Sophie isn't going to be able to make it um, with him down here in the real world away from all the money because she's got spoiled rich girl tendencies, um, you know, rather than the tendencies where you have to put rat poison in your apartment. So, which is what he's doing while he's saying this. So, Rob, we kind of learned, doesn't actually live in L.A. proper. He lives in Inglewood, you know. So, not the greatest neighborhood with his dog, with his dog room. So, he knows that the city has a pretty bad reputation and it might be a little deserved. And Sophie probably should walk around alone at night. So, he lives in, he also lives in a pretty cramped studio apartment that doesn't even have its own bathroom. Like, it has a shared bathroom in the courtyard. So he's trying his best to get the place clean, but he admits it won't be clean enough for a princess like her. So he's hoping that maybe this first place they stay will be a good story to tell the kids when they grow up. So back in London, uh, Sophie is wondering if she's even going to be able to fit her clothes into his apartment. And that's a legitimate argument because he his apartment is just 
full already. Yeah. Um, she's no fan of the place and the raccoons that walk on top of a shower, like in the ceiling of a shower. She's like, I'm taking a shower. And there was a raccoon above me. Um, but at least she's been there before and she knows what she's getting into. So she gets a FaceTime from her mom who says she has a more, more of a sister-like relationship than a mom-like relationship. So her mom has pretty much followed her around the world. She moved from Spain to UK following Sophie and then she moved to um, you know, Mexico, I think it was, for a little while. Just all over the place. So if she moves to America, there's a non-zero chance that her mom follows her there. Oh, uh, which might be tough because mom does not think much of Rob. So little that she calls him Rob the Knob. Oof. You know, yeah, <laughs> you say that your your British mom will really get, yeah. get you the insight of what that means. <laughs> so, mom wonders whether um, whether she should just give him a call about what he needs to do for Sophie, and Sophie kind of agrees that he's not doing enough, but maybe she'll tell him that after she locks this whole thing down. All right, so back with Rob. Um, He's meeting up with his friend Tori and they're um, trying to come up with a dance routine for him to do for Sophie in the airport when she gets off the plane. So his plan is to do a dance when she shows up and then at the end of the dance drop on one knee and actually present the ring so they'll be for real engaged. So this is really a choreography and practice session. Uh, and But so far the only move he has is I want to start with my hand on my heart. And then Torai's like, you mean like I pledge allegiance to the Sophie? What are you doing? Like this is weird. Uh, So Torai says he's met Sophie but he's pretty iffy on her. Uh, She's really young. There's a lot of red flags and he feels like she's not really there for him. So most notably he says that last time that she was in LA, he saw her on Bumble. And he was like – and he specifically said on the dating side (laughs) – not the, not the BFF side. Um, so she she told Rob that it was about trying to friend, find friends in America. And he's like, well, maybe she just had the wrong button clicked. She flipped over by accident, whatever, giving her the benefit of the doubt. And Tori says that, that it, Rob is just a big softy. <laughs> he's just afraid he's going to get hurt. So we jump back to London where Sophie is meeting her friend Maya in a pub. So Maya has came to LA too and met Rob. Uh, so she started out on Team Rob, but then after when she came back to the UK, there was, you know, a downtime, fight time, and mm, it seems like Rob was chatting with a girl online that may have even involved some sexual photos of himself. So now Maya's just like, loser. I don't like this guy. He sucks. So anyway, we learned that Sophie has a secret end that, you know, always have a big secret that she hasn't told anyone, not even Maya, and that's that she is bisexual. So she says that she's always been attracted to women, but she's always ever dated only dated men because socially that's just easier. So, you know, now it's kind of a thing of, well, is that something you want to explore before you get married? So I don't know about all all that. Um, So, ah, man, these are just two of our least favorite types of people in a relationship together. So this is, yeah. Mm hmm. They really are. Um, I'll see. I didn't find either of them to be incredibly intolerable as of yet. Right. Um, but yes, these are typically the types of people we hate to see. Um, I think the reason why they didn't seem as intolerable to me is they didn't seem so full of themselves. Well, I take it mm. back. <laughs> Rob was, I'm a good looking guy, you know, like. But at least Rob recognizes that he has glaring flaws in terms of not right. being able to have – he's broke. Like he knows he's broke. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. But there wasn't anything about these people that I'm like, eh. And I think also what makes it easier for me to deal with is that they kind of seem on each other's level in a lot of ways. Um, where I get kind of like, uh, is where it's pretty obvious one person is using the other to get on this show, to, oh, you mm-hmm. know, using them for whatever. But to me, it's like, eh, they're both in on it. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, they don't seem they, – they give me – they definitely have strong Jabri and Miona vibes. Um, yeah. But he's not anywhere near as obnoxious as Jabri. Oh, gosh, um, yes. And yeah. so so that's kind of that's kind of helping him out so far. But yes, the, per, the both people who are like – but the thing is, is they're coming from different angles, right? And I think that's going to be right. a different thing. She already has so much money that she can be like, whatever. I just like put hot pictures on Instagram and it's fine yeah. and that's fine. Whereas like he does that out of being lazy and like – so it's one thing – like she has enough money to be able to do that and still have shit tons of money. Whereas yeah. it's like I think I feel like she's going to be here and like, why are you doing this? Because you don't have any money. Why aren't you doing something to get you money? I don't understand. Stop being lazy. Like do something besides gym picks. This isn't making it for you. you right. know. And so yeah. it's going to be one of those double standard things where I think, you know, but then he's going to be like, but that's all you do too. And she's going to be like, yeah, but I have money. So <laughs> it will be interesting. I think this is an interesting concept of, you know, you very – I, do, I don't want to say very rarely, but it's not often that on the show we've got someone who comes from money coming to live in a worse situation, right? Every right. once in a while it happens. And, you know, it, I think that is kind of an interesting take on this. And then someone who, like, doesn't have to be there, right? And I think sure. also she's young. She might be more impulsive about things. Who knows? I feel I could see her just, like, dipping out. Well, I mean, especially because the other thing, too, is that we have on this not only doesn't have to be there, but probably doesn't need him to be oh, there. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if she wanted to be in the U.S., she could be in the U.S. She'd find a way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I just – it'll be – they'll be an interesting enough couple, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think we already have our shades of little shady things going on for each of them like i don't i don't believe that a 23 year old is like i was accidentally on the dating side of bumble oh, i was gosh. just trying to find friends okay like yeah <laughs> yeah all right uh well out of the group you saw this week who would you say is your student of the week oh man it was kind of tough i didn't want to go with somebody like justin because we didn't see him right yeah um and then uh, cheap i didn't like most of the people so i went with ashley I went with Ashley, too, just because it was like, well, she was the least offensive. of Basically, yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't – she at least is confident with who she is. Like, she has definitely, you know, had the – had had a panic attack, but is also – but is very much like, this is who I am. And if he isn't going to get – if he isn't going to be down with that, then – and also admitted that, like, was readily admitting that, like, I think this is the best option, but I'm (laughs) totally not sure. And it could be awful. Um, because we usually don't hear that. We usually hear just like, no doubt in my mind, everybody else this is wrong. This is the love of my life. This is the only love for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, how about your dunce? Uh, I, I, I said Nicole. Um, I did too. She just, I, I don't trust anything she says about any story she tells. Um, and 
I don't like how she changed her boyfriend's name. Yeah, that was number um, one for me. And I don't know. I, I, I'm very much on the fence about like kind of hiding your hiding, you know, keeping it from him that she was trans until she like was mad at him and wanted to throw it in his face. You know, like. Well, I mean, I kind of agree with him. Like, is that something that should be like told after you're engaged and you've already like uprooted your life to like be with this person? Yeah, it, it, I don't know. That that really is a moral question to me because mm-hmm. you don't owe someone your entire history, right? Right. Um, for, for everything. But so is this something that you morally should be disclosing before and then before when? Like cause you get, before you have sex, before you get engaged, before you get married, like before you go on a date? Like I don't know. Yeah. Those don't all seem to have equal weight. But like – she even said, like, she she blurted it out. Well, I used to be a man, and I'm sure it just sounded the way she kind of put it. It sounded like she did it to hurt him. Like, and it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like every, everything about it is just like, I don't trust what this lady's saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. All right. Uh, what about your life lesson? All right. So, I mean, so <laughs> it goes to as rude as the text message was, right? Uh-huh is if you kind of have the expectation that everybody's supposed to work around your plans, like for your wedding and stuff, at least six months out, at least six months out, you have to like have the date, you have to have the plan set up. Like, and cause this is going to be, she's coming to America in a couple of days. So she is within two months probably Mm -hmm. saying like, I don't know when the date's going to be yet, but when I decide it's there, everybody has to do what I, everybody has to drop everything and do my thing. And so, Six months at least, probably, you know, for other things, depending on how much it is. If people have to travel, probably more like a year. Yeah, mine was directed towards Lori as well, but definitely from a different uh, perspective, like, than what you were going for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I struggle with, too, because I'm someone who, you know, in email uh, specifically is like very direct, you know, and it's like. I'm writing you about this. I want to know about this. Yes. But I, you know, we, I did a team building activity, something called crystalnose.com. Oh, I've never heard of this. It's very interesting. It ties to your Gmail account and you basically take a personality test on your communication style and it'll take your list of contacts and it'll tell you what they are. And so I have to (laughs) kind of be aware of the fact that some people need that kind of like, how are you doing? I hope you're doing fine before you jump into, you know. And so I think considering other people's communication styles and not just assuming everybody's is your own um, would help, you know, better your relationships. That's interesting. Yeah, interesting because I I feel like part of the reason we have a good relationship is because both of us are the – very to the very point. Very just to the point. Like here's <laughs> yeah. a one line email without a header that just says exactly right. what I'm going to ask you. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But some people aren't like that. And I have to consciously be like, hey, I hope you're doing well. You know, and it, it's kind of funny to me that I have to think to do that with some people. But I do. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. All right. So we're just getting started with this group. Uh, we plan on just covering this group. Um, so I know that there's, you know, lots of other content coming out. Right. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. But as of now, I think we're just going to cover whatever's going on on Sunday. Yep. So. That's right. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yep. All right. So until next week. All right. Talk to everybody then. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Good.